Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello and welcome fellow explorers. Thank you for diving in. Our mission is to get you and ourselves out of our comfort zone to explore. Join us on our next adventure. Check out sirensoapbox.com and click dive in and explore guaranteed to get you out of the mundane. In episode 57, Wolf Point, the Sirens had the honor of having Dr. Ian Smith back on the show for a second time. Instead of discussing dieting, we got to talk about the fictional side of Dr. Ian and the private investigative world of Ash Kane that he created. And, you know, that scene with the peanut butter and the rats. In order to properly immerse ourselves into the mind of a gumshoe, we each took a class on private investigating. We wanted to spend as much time as we could discussing our favorite Wolf Point characters with Dr. Ian when we had him on the show, and we skipped talking about all the new knowledge we had learned. So today, we're diving deeper to explore how our classes went, and if we will now be using our newfound skills to be super sleuths. If at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is... First up on our soapbox is Murph. Thanks, Elsie. I took an investigative interviewing course on Udemy for beginners. The class taught me some good techniques for getting answers and gathering information from witnesses to or suspects of an investigation. The course was geared towards gathering information, not interrogation, which is, I think, quite different. The instructor for the course laid out a simple formula for gathering the information and techniques to deal with certain types of witnesses. He said there are four ways suspects will behave during an interview. They will tell the truth, they will lie, they will be silent, or there will be some combination of the three. He said that those willing to tell the truth are actually the most difficult to interview because we often give more credit to our memory than we should. I found that pretty interesting actually. He also said that those who lie are the most fun to interview because as soon as you catch them in one little lie, you can ask them a barrage of questions that completely blow the lie out of the water. And this seems like a fun challenge. I chose this PI skill because I thought it would be the most beneficial skill to have as an interviewer. And with this podcast, we do a lot of interviews. I think I underestimated how much this particular skill would help with the soapbox though. But I do have teenage children and there (laughs) is an occasion from time to time to investigate a story one of them told. I think I'll have fun putting the skill to use in those situations. I may even get a spotlight that I can shine on them during those interviews. Oh, what fun I'm going to have. Sarah, tell us about your new skill. Well, when I was deciding what private investigator skill I wanted to learn, I thought it would be really cool to learn how to pick locks. I mean, I do realize when you think about it, if you need to get in somewhere quickly, breaking a window is probably a lot easier, but I really like the stealthy aspect of lock picking for breaking and entering. I mean, for when you lose your keys. So what steps did I take to learn to pick locks? I, of course, started by hitting up Amazon and YouTube. 
There were a ton of videos to watch on lockpicking, and I watched several. My favorite was one done by the lockpicking lawyer. His videos are really great, not only showing you how to pick locks, but how various types of locks work, and also how you can pick a lock without a lockpicking set. He takes paper clips and turns them into lockpicks. I did get a set from Amazon though. It came with a practice lock, which was pretty cool because you could see the inner workings of the lock so that you can understand what it is that you're trying to do when picking a lock. After watching the videos a few, read as a bunch of times, I finally figured it out. I recorded a video of myself doing it and you can tell by the satisfied smile that I was pretty proud of myself. The best part of the whole experience though was getting my whole family involved. I took a bunch of pictures and I'm sure they'll be available to see on our website, but everyone got really into learning how to pick locks and it was a total blast. Will I use my new skill? Only for good, not for evil, I promise. Jess, what did you learn how to do? So for our PI skills learning, I tried to read a little bit of an online course, but it didn't work very well on my phone. So I gave up and I switched to YouTube to see what I could find. Turns out there's an entire channel called Becoming a Private Investigator, and it was awesome. There are videos covering everything from writing a report to learning how to follow someone. I watched a lot of videos and really wanted to practice following someone. However, that would not have worked because there are not really many roads on the island, and I also don't really know anyone who I could try to follow and then see if they saw me. So instead, I focused on methods of finding people. I've worked in finance for nine years now, and while I certainly don't want to work in collections, it was interesting in seeing the kinds of methods that they use to track people down. I'm really not sure that I have a future in private investigation that involves more than some uh, general Facebook stalking, but it was cool to see how it works. So Elsie, do you have a future in private investigation? Oh, I'm kicking myself over this one. My gut reaction on this challenge was telling me to do something fun, something where I could really show off my new skills and, you know, kind of fake it like I'm actually a private investigator, something a little bit more outside my comfort zone. And I have to admit that instead, I took the safe route on this one and picked a class that I thought would maybe apply to my everyday job as a drone photographer. We had talked about reaching out to different police departments and using our services in that field. So I thought this could possibly help. I signed up for the NITA's Use Photography as an Investigative Tool class. In the very first section of the class, it said, quote, it sounds cliche, but listen to your instinct. It knows. And that was the first sign that I probably chose the wrong exercise. And I have to give an honest critique of this class. In my opinion, it needs an update. It's a photography class and their examples are old, black and white photos, and they are grainy. And I get it. They use their source from old police books. However, for an online class, especially one that's on something as technical as photography as an investigative tool, I should at least be able to see what they're talking about in the lecture. One example was a shoe with a bullet next to it, and the bullet is not even visible in the example. So maybe photography is just something that comes second nature to me because a lot of the information seemed common sense. It was exciting to see that there were a few chapters in Wolf Point where he talks about the placement of video cameras and all of Dr. Ian's information was correct according to the class. This activity does make me want to take a few more private investigating classes like lock picking and reading handwriting, you know, like for other things other than words. 
how do I describe that? <laughs> um, <laughs> you all get what I mean. So just goes to show if you don't step outside of your comfort zone, you could be disappointed with your results. As NITA said, listen to your instinct. It knows. Where did your instincts lead you, TC? For my new skills of investigation, I decided to concentrate on interview skills. I'm pretty good at figuring out how to uncover hidden things. I pay attention to details and I look into things that don't quite feel right until I feel I understand. The one thing that would hold me back from being a good private investigator is the subtle art of knowing when someone is lying. I am quick to give people the benefit of the doubt and second chances are typically followed with a third and fourth chance as well. So I could stand to learn some of the skills that people in the field use to determine when someone is guilty or even better to get them to confess. I read the book, We Get Confessions by Albert Joseph, and I took a course on the read technique of interviewing and interrogation for investigators. The book was recommended by a retired police chief who was especially skilled in the art of interview. And the course was recommended by a colleague who has worked in the field of criminal investigation and forensics for over 30 years. I really enjoyed both resources and would recommend either of them to anyone interested in interviewing skills. There were some similarities and some differences between the two, but there were nuggets of brilliance in both. Lieutenant Albert Joseph Jr., the author of We Get Confessions says, suspects want to confess Many studies have been done that prove that the majority of the people that do something wrong want to get it off their chest by telling somebody about it. Here's the equation, he says, works every time. Treat them with respect, plus bullshit them a little, plus get them to like you, equals sell them a vacuum cleaner or get that confession. And yes, he was a vacuum salesman before he became a cop. I loved his salty old cop, no nonsense way of writing. I definitely think I'll use some of the skills I learned. These skills are really just good life skills. Elsie, how was the photography PI biz? What was that? What was that all about? <laughs> so you were unhappy with your course. I was you? very unhappy with my course <laughs> because it was a hundred dollars. And it was supposed to be a four hour long class. And I read everything. I read everything and I took notes because there's a quiz at the end. And it took me about 36 minutes to finish. And it's on photography and it's showing black and white photographs that are itty bitty that you can't make bigger. And you're supposed to see a spot of blood on a black and white photograph that you can't see. And I'm like, <laughs> this, I feel like, it's 2021 and they should upgrade their website to something mm -hmm. much better, especially for a hundred dollars a pop. But I got a pack of post-it notes in the mail from them and a thank you card. So that was nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was worth a hundred dollars. So Sarah, you pick locks now? I do. That's fun. That's awesome. So I didn't, I, I didn't want to give it away, but I've got uh, pictures that I'll um, put up on the, um, I'll send to the um, chat, but I've even, I wonder if I can do it right here, right now, as we 
as we as we record as we record an episode I've always wanted to know how to pick locks though so I think I'm going to order Siren Sara's lock picking which you'll be able to find on our shop on sirensoapbox.com I cannot there it is right there I cannot wait to learn how to pick a lock right yeah is that everything that it came with, Sarah? Is, I see a, yep. lo- a clear lock and some keys. Well, there's the key so that um, when you get really, really frustrated, you can prove that, yes, it does open. <laughs> it's really cool because I, I don't know if you can see in there, but you can see all the different pins in there. You can't really That's see really on the cool. video very well. I well, see them. Yeah. I and want to say that it is crazy that it's that easy to get a lock picking set and to learn how to pick a lock. I know. See all the picks. Right? I think it's hilarious that Sarah had her children learn this skill with her. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the pictures? I showed you the pictures. Yes, I had all awesome. three of them. That is amazing. You're like the best mom ever. Yeah, and, and there was Bill right there with us uh, when they were having trouble giving them tips. <laughs> so, Elsie, you were talking about the pictures. Um, my brother would always take pictures when he was working on different cases. And one, one day he sent me in the mail an envelope and it had a folded piece of paper. I opened up the paper and it said, well, on the front of the paper, it said, look at the first picture first and see if you can see why I sent it to you and then look at the second picture. So I look at the first picture and it's a black and white. So I don't know if cops still use black and white photos. I don't know what the deal is with that. That'd be an interesting thing to know. Yeah. But um, so the first was a black and white picture of tire tracks, like tire marks on the road. So I'm looking at it, studying it. I'm trying to figure out where they were to like trying to figure out why he sent this to me. I couldn't figure it out. So then I flipped to the second picture and it's a close-up of this one spot where the tire tracks have an irregularity. That spot was a squished dead turtle. Oh <gasps> why would he send that why to you? Why would he send that? That's terrible. <laughs> what a mean brother. You guys all said that like you don't know Bill. I know that's what I thought too. Actually, I I I did laugh. It was pretty funny, but it was literally it was literally a police scene photo. And when he saw the close up, he's like, "Oh my god, I've got to send this to my sister." I bet it was black and white because he photocopied it. So Elsie was no, it was a it was a photograph. It was was like an actual developed photograph. Yeah. Did they say anything about color versus black and white in the class you took? It, no, nothing. And even when you go, like, I kept trying to click on the picture to make it bigger so I can, you know, zoom in and you can't even do that. It, it seemed in my opinion, like it was kind of thrown together. I don't know that I'd do another class with them. So this is what I've decided. I feel like you should continue to learn more about forensic photography, maybe even talk to some police officers or something. Oh, to learn. that's a good idea. And then, oh yeah, build Breaking a relationship. And then you can, you know, maybe help them with some investigations. But then you create a course. Oh, for I feel like I'm being challenged now. <laughs> there we go. I'll make wow. it on Udemy. Yeah, I think you'd be good at it, putting that together. Uh, thank you. 
we lost Sara on this episode because she's now concentrating on picking a lock. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm a pick this lock on on and YouTube right here. Apparently, she's breaking her tools doing it. I wanted to practice following somebody because they do that a lot in the books, mm. but that's not really possible on an island, <laughs> as I'm sure TC knows. Her islands very are very obvious. small. <laughs> yes, <laughs> especially when you work in education and every kid on the island knows you. Yeah. Well, right now I have Ohio plates. I'm probably the only one on oh. the island that has Ohio plates. Yeah. Yeah. So. So did anybody when everybody's trying to hide from me at work already, I'm sure it would be very difficult for me to follow people. <laughs> well, if they lock the door on you, you can get in. True right. that. <laughs> can you pick locks on doors? Yeah. You can. There's as long as I, any barrel. Because they basically all work the same. Hmm. Damn it, I wish I would have picked that class. I know, I'm going to. It was so cool. I'll put a link to it on the website so that other people can check that out too. Yeah, uh, lock picking lawyer was awesome. You have to check that out. Hmm. Yeah, There were some where you can, with paper clips. He does it with freaking paper clips. Very cool. If it's a deadbolt though, you can't pick it. You should be able to. Oh, okay. Because nice. it's still, you still turn it, right? You still are turning the barrel. So it's oh, yeah. putting the pressure on the barrel and you're just turning the. Put, you, put a lockpick you... that on our uh, Amazon page. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, I, I, wanna, I want you to know that I find it um, a little fascinating to think about being able to tail someone without them knowing I'm back there. I Me know, too. I want to try it. Yeah. Maybe now that Ben is here, when his motorcycle gets here, I'll make him like just drive aimlessly and I'll try to follow him. See, I think you got to be a sneaky surprise. Like Mark, yeah. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to tell Mark one day. I mean, he knows it because he's listening to this episode, I'm sure. But I think I'm going to like <laughs> steal a strange car, not steal, maybe borrow it and tail Mark one day just to see what it's like. Yeah, well, you can learn how to pick the locks of the yes. car, learn, learn how to hotwire it, and then <laughs> Mark's gonna be like, you know what, this PI thing has gotten way out of hand. <laughs> when you get arrested, <laughs> just explain. No, no, this this is for a podcast. The podcast made me do it. I'm not really on the The soapbox made me do it. I'm not really a totally made me do it. The soapbox made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a sticker. I would uh, need a different car because currently my car is the only one on the island with Ohio plates. So, dude, yeah. my Jeep is bright blue. How am I hiding from anyone in that? You're not. <laughs> it's true. And my car is black. So it's pretty, especially in the winter months, it's very um, blender, blender innery. My blender-y. car is not enclosed, so you can see me in it at all you times. have to wear oh. a disguise yes that Ooh. nobody oh. disguises we should okay Shit. we need to do all of this all over again <laughs> man wait Hot doesn't Sarah have like 18 cars couldn't we all borrow one of sarah's cars yes costumes 18 we could, everybody could get on their own a different motorcycle here yeah and we need to learn the art of disguise on motorcycles on motorcycles oh 
Very cool. I, when I started all this, of course, the first person I asked was my brother and he reminded me that, um, of the time that I tried to convince him that he and I should start our own PI company. I used to read, um, Sue Grafton, the alphabet series, and mm-hmm. I, I really did want to be a private investigator and I still kind of do. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like a fun career. Doesn't anybody feel like maybe it's kind of romanticized a little bit and it's probably a lot of paperwork. My God, you know what it's a lot of? Catching people cheating on their spouses, I bet. Probably. That's where that Facebook stalking would come in handy. Try having that job and not getting cynical. Right? That's why I don't want to work collections. You got people lying to you all day, every day. So many dead grandmas. There aren't enough grandmas in the world. (laughs) I just wouldn't want to ask people who don't have money for more money. That's why collection yeah. would suck. I, I couldn't do it. I'd become too jaded. I don't want to become that jaded. Yeah. yeah. So Murr and TC, your topics were pretty similar, right? Yeah, yeah, they were. Do you guys use your skills now on, on the daily? Uh, just like I use Munzee when I visit a strange town. I forget. I forget. Yeah, um, I haven't really had occasion to use it. Please break out a lamp and video and inter- like interrogating one of your teenagers. I would love that. So I'm a, I'm a certified interrogator. So I Ooh. also did investigative interviewing, but I did not do as much learnings as you did. I did take a Udemy course, but oh, did you? yeah. It, and I got a cert- certification, but it was more of like an intro course, but I'm so curious about it now that I want to keep reading about it. I mean, with this, the kind of stuff that I learned was key questions that you can ask people and how somebody who's lying would answer and how somebody who's telling the truth would answer in general. There's just so many factors like people's culture and how stressed they are and how much trouble they think they would or would not get in. There's a lot of different factors that go into play, but it was interesting to learn some of that stuff. that's what I want to remember to use. Like I want to remember to listen closer to how people answer, whether they go into a lot of description or just answer the question. Is a lot of description typically a lie? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, And the the thing I read said, let them keep talking and just take note of all that description because they're not going to be able to remember it. Yeah. Judge Judy says that all the time. I don't know if you guys know this, but when I work from home, I watch Judge Judy also Rachel Ray, then Judge Judy. Anyway, that's what she says. She's like, if you're telling the truth, you don't have to remember it. Exactly. (laughs) When you're lying, you got to keep it all straight and you won't keep it all straight. Right. Same lie. Say it again and again, like it'll change. My favorite thing about the lockpicking um, videos was that they always pointed out that, you know, um, it's probably easier to use a brick, but this is a little more discreet. <laughs> I watch Leverage a lot and, and they're always picking locks and that. And I've always thought about trying it. So I might have to try to pick one up. Yeah, me too. Re- I've always wanted to try that. 
Yeah, I really wanted to practice. Yeah. I was actually very intrigued learning stuff about um, how to track people with like credit and basically collections, repo type actions, because I've worked in a financial institution for the past nine years. Um, Not that I ever want to do collections because I, um, I just, that's not the life for me. But it was very interesting to see like what kind of methods people use. I learned some really specific stuff. For example, one of the questions that you ask people to determine if they are telling the truth or if they're lying is a question like, um, if, if someone, let's say that you were interviewing people for stealing money, when they catch the person who stole the money, what do you think should happen to that person? And if the person is guilty of stealing the money, then they will typically say, oh, it depends on why they did it or they should get a second chance. But if the person is not guilty, then according to both of these resources, they'll often say things more like, well, if they did it once, they'll do it again. They need to be fired or they need to be prosecuted or something to that effect. What? Yeah, it makes sounds sense. like you'd have to use those skills in a situation where they're busted for something and not just every day lying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My guy gave us a sort of a formula for gathering information and filling in the gaps. He said, before you ever even interview someone, what you should do is make a list of the things you know and a list of the unknowns. And then you take the things that you know, you write each of them down on a card. And, you know, I'm imagining like a wall with, you know, like in a manifest where these strings connecting things. But anyway, you you take these index cards that have all of your, um, the things you know on them and you place them in chronological order. And then you kind of, you, when you meet with your witness, you kind of step through all of those things that, you know, in chronological order, and you ask detailed questions about each of those things hmm. in order. Interesting. Yeah. So I liked that formula. That's kind of nice. Although I gotta be honest when I'm sitting down with my teenagers, cause I'm pissed off at them. Cause I believe they're lying to me about something. I'm probably not going to take the time to organize my, my thoughts into the cards right? and I'm <laughs> in chronological order. I'll be right back. I'm going to go into the kitchen and you go in and you look at your cards in the wall and you come back and you're like, so after you drove to his house, what happened then? <laughs> no, you just need to wheel out like a cork board. Oh yeah. For and sure. And like, they'd be so intimidated that mm-hmm. they'd right. confess. <laughs> <laughs> the cork board with the, the lamp clamped to the top of it that I can shine on them. It's all <laughs> going to be my interrogation station. <laughs> interrogation station <laughs> that's hilarious oh i love it i'm writing that one down sorry we to can get market it. that <laughs> sort of but uh, uh for some reason how, how do you sort of it's either locked or unlocked my friend i know but the problem is is my i because I, I think I, I had all my kids using my, my little twister thingy is all twisted so I can't get no. enough twister, twisty motion on my twisty, twisty part. Just having There's problems putting it twisting. in the hole. Huh? What? <laughs> you put it in the hole too much. The twisty, twisty gets a little worn down. 
I'm gonna just keep playing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's fun to keep playing. Yeah, it is. It is fun to keep playing. TC, did you uh, see any interrogation skills in Ashcane novels? You know, I was, I took the class after I read the book because I read the book as soon as I got it. Yeah. Like every picture of me on my vacation is me lying around with that book. Um, <laughs> and so I tried to like think back to it. And it's, it's interesting because in this, in the book, we get confessions. He talks a lot about pretending to like the people and it doesn't matter how much you hate them. You always pretend to like them, but his, his whole premise is to think about how you would feel in that situation. And if somebody is being mean to you and being threatening and telling you what horrible things will happen, if you're found guilty, then you're not going to confess. And on the other hand, he talks a lot about using trickery too. But he's like, you know, always tell them how your brother did something similar. And it's really not that big a deal. They both talk about how you have to give them psychological justification for their actions. So no matter what it is, you use softer words. Like if somebody raped someone, you you call it touching them. And that you always blame, put put the blame on someone else, not on them. And they said, it, it, you know, some people have a hard time doing that because it seems like they're, you're letting them off. But if you get the confession, you're not letting them off. I mean, that's what you're going for is the confession. So it was really interesting. It's really <laughs> crazy listening to Bill talk about how he talks to the folks that he's trying to get confessions from. Yeah, Bill taught this same book. So it's that's the way the way that he'll just, he'll tell me stories. And sometimes I'm like, yeah. does he talk to me like that? <laughs> yeah, that's like a, a lifestyle. I don't think I could live. I, I can't, if I don't like somebody, you can read it all over my face. So does he have a spot in that book where he talks about how to improve on your resting bitch face? <laughs> I- <laughs> He is very specific about how to pretend to like someone and the, the kinds of things, the kinds of things to say. Actually, the, the class was as well. They gave you examples of in the, the class. There are a lot of differences. I liked the book better than the class. Um, but in the class, they differentiate between interviewing and interrogating. And in, in interrogating, you basically walk in, you stand over them and intimidate them and you tell them that you're um that you know they did it Hmm. and then and then you sit down and talk about how you're going to work through this together so you start off with that whole intimidation thing but it goes through nine steps in there it's very specific do they the kinds of do they say that do they start an interrogation that way with any suspect No, it's after the interview. You've already done the interview. You feel like you know who it is. You've got it narrowed down to one person. Then you're, you do the interrogation. So I watch a lot of um, true crime shows and you would not believe the number of wrong convictions because mm-hmm. people feel coerced or intimidated by the police. That's what Bill said about the, the read technique is that um, he said they, they had some they were in the hot seat a little bit because there was a lot of concern about false confessions. 
And there are a lot of reasons for a false confession. So. The class I took, they said to be sure not to empathize or agree with the suspect. This was interviewing, this wasn't interrogation. I was just, you know, mine was just the beginning part of it. Um, but they said not to empathize and not to agree with anything the suspect says. Hmm, that's so, interesting, why? Because if you don't want it to appear that you were um, like one-sided, because I guess, and the at this point he said, he also said that your purpose for the interview is just to ask questions. That's your whole purpose is to ask questions. So I thought it was interesting that you said the purpose was to get a confession, but I guess that's the interrogation piece of it, not the interviewing piece. Yeah, with the read technique, um, the interviewing is all question and answer and they're specific about that. But um, uh, the We Get Confessions book, it, it, they didn't differentiate between an interview and interrogation. And that both of them said to, um, I, I don't know exactly what they mean by empathize, what you said they said not to do. What, what did you say? They said not to empathize or agree, not say, oh yeah, I understand. Or, oh, I could see huh. why you feel that way. Like not to say things like that to your suspect. That's interesting because both of these are the opposite of what. I, that's what I thought when you were, when you were talking about it. It's so, well. Did, did any of you guys watch The Closer? Mm -mm. Remember that show? Mm -mm. Kira Sedgwick. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It was amazing. She walked in and she got the confession every single time. She was The Closer. She would just walk in. It was awesome, but she would do exactly that. It was like she got the confession every single time. They never once, ever once had to go to court. Right. She and that's what both the of these books say, too. They're like, talk about how it's not that big a deal. And my brother did something similar. And, you know, I'm yes. sure that, yeah, it's all agreeing and making it seem like it's not a big deal and giving them psychological justification. I can I can totally all, see why you felt like you needed to do that. Yeah. 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 So then That's I feel like it would give them a safe space to confess something. Like, right. oh, you understand. So yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Right. That, I, I would love to know your where where did you go, Mer? I was a Udemy course. I, huh. I want to know their background, how many confessions they got. <laughs> so like I said, it was just a beginner's course and it was um, taught by a detective from the UK. So maybe that's mm. the difference. The UK? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those stupid Brits. Right. <laughs> Damn Brits. <laughs> yeah, we we covered very basic stuff. Like he he said that the suspect will do one of four things. They'll either tell the truth, they will lie, they will say nothing, or there will be a combination of those things. And then he kind of walked through different techniques to use if you were in either or any of those situations. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Right. Hey, Elsie, I really want you to learn more about forensic, forensic photography. I'm really sad for you that you didn't. I am too, but it was a lesson that I need to step more outside my comfort zone. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad for that lesson. And I think that that's really good advice because I know a couple cop friends. I'm going to do some research. Cool. I like it. 
So while Sarah works on that lock, <laughs> that's her challenge. We're going to leave <laughs> you with a challenge. We think you should learn a new PI skill and then tell us all about it. You can share it with us on Facebook or Instagram. Oh, good job. (laughs) Also, another quick interruption. Black and white photos are less sensationalistic than color. So crime scene photos were shot in black and white. So they were more likely to be admissible in court. So the blood doesn't look dramatically red. That's my guess. Huh. Do they still use that though? This it's says, bizarre that they didn't say that in your course. You would think that they'd be like, I realize that color photography is a thing, but it no, he says it no longer holds true. But you know, in this book, like in both the class and this book, they talked a lot about what would be admissible in court. So it's not just mm. learning who done it, it's being able to pin it on the person that matters. You can know who did it, but if you can't get a jury to find them guilty, it doesn't do you any good to know who did it. So I think that's where the black and white photos, he says, defense attorneys didn't want the little old lady on the jury to be shocked and appalled, but it's less likely to have a negative impact on the jury, jury, the black and white pictures. So they were more often admissible in court. But you would think for investigating, you would need color but I, I get it for judge and jury to be less sensational. Right, I'm going to do more research. I'll do a follow maybe up they, and let everybody know. <laughs> maybe they took both, but the ones we see are black and white because those are the ones that are released. I don't know. Hmm. He says it's not, it's, it no longer holds true. Yeah. How many times because- we can interrupt her during her outro. <laughs> I know. It no longer holds true because video games exactly mm. exactly all right yeah. so yeah get, get, go ahead and learn new pi skill <laughs> 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 and then share it with us on facebook or instagram by using the hashtag siren soapbox and if you're following us on social media you'll get all the alerts for our new episodes our new blog pl- posts plus a daily dose of siren wisdom. And you can visit our website, sirensoapbox.com for everything Siren Soapbox. Until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.